This should be played at high volumes, preferably in a residential area. And yes, that is how we're going to start episode 15, the high stakes leverage game. What's up, everybody? Welcome back. As always, I'm your man, Ethan Noroff, and we're going to get right down to business, baby, because free agency is four days away. Life lessons are rolling in left from the left, from the right, from the center, from every potential direction. And we got a whole lot to say. And as always, we like to keep it condensed here. We don't want to waste anyone's precious time after all. Welcome in. We got something for everybody today. We're going to talk all about free agency and all the narratives that are rolled within four days until the NBA explodes. And if it's not already bubbling, then I don't know what it's doing, baby, because right now it's all about the leverage game. Everyone's got something to gain. We're going to get into that first and foremost. We're going to get into the extension of our own beliefs and how we sort of fill in the gaps. And then we're going to get into the free agent noise, right? How it fits today's topic, especially the latest rumors, the latest news, kind of a little bit of buy or sell. And then finally, we're going to leave you with my own TEDx, just a real quick lesson, the time to push in, right? So four topics to hit on today's show. The gains to be had, right? The leverage game. In case anyone's unfamiliar with this idea of what the leverage game is, what it should be, it's pretty simple, right? People are always trying to stay one step ahead, one, one foot in front of somebody else, et cetera, et cetera. Right? In an NBA free agency, you've never seen the leverage game played out like we see it here. Right. There's always somebody who has something to gain from the information that is either out there or is missing. So that is a primary consideration as we digest any information, NBA free agency or not. Right. We have to ask ourselves, why is the information that is available? Why is it available? Is it the correct information? Is it something that people want us to believe, et cetera, et cetera? It's important to be able to create your own thoughts and not just be a parrot and repeat what somebody else has to say. The great part about having your own functioning mind and brain is that you're able to articulate all of those unique thoughts that belong solely to you. Why anyone would want to be a carbon copy of somebody else continues to blow my mind. So we have to think about who is driving the agenda when we process the information, right? In an NBA free agency, a lot of it, I don't want to say almost all of it, but a lot of it is coming from agents. Every time we finally get a contract number that comes out, it comes from an agent. Every time we get Anis Cantor is drawing interest from the Blazers, the Lakers, and the Celtics like we got from Chris Haynes over at Yahoo today, that's from the agent. And it's possible that all three of those teams do have some level of interest. But notice how we didn't say what level of interest that is. The Blazers probably like the job that he did last year. Is he a priority? Who knows, right? Depends on Nurkic's health. For the Lakers, do they hope that they can get Cantor on the super cheap? Potentially. Right. And the Celtics don't really know what the hell they're doing yet. So the way you attach these teams to these specific players, it helps to create leverage. Right. And that leads us into the brands that are good for business, i.e. the Lakers, the Celtics, the Knicks. Right. The conversation around those teams, just like the conversation around premier brands, it drives up the value for everybody involved. So everybody who's covering these teams, everybody who's got something to say, it's a win when they're in the news. And when you can create the Lakers or the Celtics or the Knicks or any other major entity in the news, it gets more people talking simply because it involves more people in the conversation. Right. And as far as the Lakers and Celtics and Knicks are concerned, all three franchises for different reasons, those fans are desperate for information right now. So they'll believe almost anything you put on the table. And we'll get into that. Right. We have become so desperate for information that we're willing to believe 
some some of these things that are out there that are just not only irresponsibly put out there, but they're just they're not even plausible half the time. So we have to really be considerate of that. And these brands that are good for business, when I'm sitting here and I'm watching on SportsCenter how the Lakers are being discussed and putting up $19 million in cap space on the screen, right? That's a win for ESPN. Is it accurate? No, it is not, right? But it creates a conversation and it drives more attention to ESPN for Lakers coverage rather than any of its competitors. So you have to be able to think about why information is presented in a certain way. It's not unlike when you watch the news at night, whether you watch Fox News, CNN, BBC, Al Jazeera, or anything in between. You have to be able to understand why the news is presented in the fashion in which it is. That should be separate of your ability to critically analyze the information on your own terms. Again, don't be a parrot. Be your own original thought master. That's key. And in this game of the gains to be had, right, agent misinformation, it's being taken as gospel. If I had a count going of every time a player was interested in the Knicks so far, or the Knicks were interested in the player, I think I would have been a millionaire by tally mark standards. It's sort of insane. So just because we hear, oh, this team could have interest in this player, or watch out, this player could go there, right? That's, that's not information that we should be taking as gospel, as fact. We have to learn, and I've touched on this before. In fact, I've got a whole episode. Go back and hit the archives, please. Reteaching the game. You cannot accept opinion as fact. So many times I see these aggregate websites and they pull information from little video clips or TV specials that are slanted in such a way where it could be this or it could be that. They sell the potential outcome of a distorted reality. And it's not really is what it is. In the age of Twitter, especially when it comes to the NBA and breaking news, if you got something to say, you're going to say it. Okay? Twitter is a platform that reaches millions and millions of people in a matter of seconds. So if you've got something to say, you're going to say it. You're not going to bury it in a TV special. Okay? You're not going to bury it in some one-minute video you did for your entity that you work for. So where does the information come from and who could it hurt? Or who could it benefit, right? These are all questions we have to ask ourselves when playing the leverage game. And that sort of drives us into this idea of the extension of our own beliefs, right? Before we get into that too deeply, it sort of is self-explanatory. When we're not sure, and by the way, if you hear me sipping on a little something, you know, it's those afternoon BCAAs after that nice post-gym workout, the perks of being on summer vacation when you're in education are real, my friends. So when we get into this extension of our own beliefs, right, we have become so desperate for easily accessible information. I tell my students, especially the younger ones, pretty routinely that they're not good at researching and it's not meant to put them down. It's a reflection of reality. As somebody who's grown up on both sides of the internet curve, I can understand it, right? These kids, really anyone who's basically freshman age of college, maybe even 22 at this point. 23, they've never grown up without high-speed internet. They've never grown grown up without an iPhone in their hand. They don't know how to look for information when it's difficult because everything has always been so easy. So as a result of that conditioning, our psychology and our brain, we have become desperate for easily accessible information. This is why Part of the reason why, anyway, Twitter has become so wildly successful in what is relatively a short amount of time, 
right? We are absolutely desperate for easily accessible information. And that's what you can find on Twitter. Pretty much anything you want to find, you're able to find. And again, just like on the last episode, my dog, Max, he's going to make sure that he announces his presence while I'm recording. For the last hour plus, as I was sitting outlining the show, going over the final details, making sure everything was aligned, Max was quietly sleeping. The moment we walk into the recording studio, everything and more has his attention. He is half Chihuahua after all, right? Half Chihuahua, half Beagle. That's why we call him a Cheagle. Just quick fun facts about your host. So we become so desperate for this information, right? Going back to this extension of our own beliefs and going back to Twitter, we selectively sort of fill in the gaps, right? How we fill in the, in the gaps to create our own realities, right? There are two psychological phenomenons around bias going on here, right? Selection bias, the idea that everyone doesn't have equal info or access to equal info, but everybody wants to evaluate through the same lens. And then you have this confirmation bias happening where people tend to embrace what supports what they already believe, right? Real growth, okay? Real growth happens through perspective recognition. In other words, being able to sit across from somebody who disagrees with you, understands where they're coming from, and maybe they might even flip your opinion. Maybe not, that's okay. But real growth happens when you can embrace the other side rather than outright reject it, right? So we have this desperate need to know everything. And as a result, we buy into these ideas that we would have never had we had the actual information. You remember the first time you went over on a sleepover, right? Maybe it was to a friend's house when you were younger and you were imagining what their room looked like. Oh, I bet it's this and he's got this or she's got that. And you sort of fill in these ideas and you get there and one of two things happens, right? It's either exactly how you imagined or it is nothing like you imagined, right? And that's, that's sort of what we do when we're extending our own beliefs. And on Twitter, on this social media platform around NBA free agency, right? It seems like everybody has sources, right? We have guys with 300 followers out here saying Kawhi Leonard's going to do this, right? Nobody knows what Kawhi Leonard's going to do. So we could, we could all shut up with that. My goal, one of the reasons that I'm here in this sphere and that I've always been attached to this sphere is to create content that is smarter, that elevates the conversation, right? There are enough aggregates out there that could just collect information for the sake of it. We want to elevate the conversation. We want to create a smarter audience. And fans, you guys, the listeners, all of us, we have access to information like we've never had in the past, but we still limit ourselves with what we can do with it. Why? Right? Let's not make clicks a metric for success. Let's focus more on quality than quantity. There are certain tangible aspects of life like friendships, where this is painted a lot clearer, right? As you grow up and you mature, you realize it doesn't matter how many friends you have, what really matters is the quality of those relationships. I'd like to treat content, podcasts, written content, video, any discussion that we have around a topic, but especially around the NBA, in the same manner, right? We want it to be of quality, not just how much can we consume in one day. So on Twitter now, you've got guys out here reporting this, reporting that. And when I say reporting, I'm using that term very loosely, right? My consumption guide to NBA free agency is very simple. You turn on the notifications for the guys you need to have it on for. That's Woj, that's Shams, that's Chris Haynes, and that's Mark Stein. That's about it for me. And if those guys have something to say, trust me, it will be said on Twitter before it is said anywhere else. Okay, 
So let's not get caught up in this world of sources, per league source is a phrase I'm about to mute out of my out of my Twitter entirely. When we sit here on the brink of free agency and we have so much free agent noise that aligns with this general line of thought, right? It requires critical analysis and not just a summary. When we learned that the Celtics had interest in Kemba Walker, and we're going to get into this free agent noise now. Okay, when we learned that the Celtics had interests, quote unquote, in Kemba Walker, my immediate question was why? Right? The Mavericks, although more logical, at least seemingly in nature, it's the same question. So let's walk through this Kemba Walker situation for a few minutes. Kemba Walker is one of the top names on the market. The assumption prior to this offseason has more or less been, well, he's going to re-sign in Charlotte on a super max deal. Well, the Hornets are literally bleeding through their eyes financially, right? And if somebody wants to create a meme of that with Mitch Kupchak's head as, as the target, go ahead. You're welcome for that inspiration. But the Hornets are in a really bad spot. Everything Kemba Walker has said so far is that the Hornets will be a priority in free agency right? The Hornets are where his home is. It's the only franchise he's ever known. They were willing to invest in him in a time where almost nobody else was. I remember when Kemba Walker signed that four-year, $48 million extension, and it was met with a lot of criticism. I would also imagine it's pretty hard for any NBA player to tell Michael Jordan no, especially if he's going to offer you $200 plus million. (laughs) Hello, right? It's not a conversation I want to have. So Kemba Walker, he's he's most notably been linked to four teams. The Hornets, obviously, are one. The Celtics, the Mavs, and then the Lakers being the fourth. The Lakers have been in desperate search for a third star, right? Now that they've got Anthony Davis, they're trying to clear a path toward that third max deal. And I've been on record time and time again saying that is absolutely the right way to approach it. So Kemba Walker, logically, I understand. The Lakers obviously have a need at point guard, right? You've got to go all in on this window with AD and LeBron. It makes sense, right? That's defensible. It's plausible. It's it's theoretical. It's plausible. And it could be reality. Let's go to the Mavs next. We'll save the Celtics. Let's go to the Mavs. The Mavs have a need in the backcourt. There's no question. But with how much success Luka Doncic has had playing on the ball, calling point guard, point forward, whatever you want, is Kemba Walker really the type of point guard that you would be targeting? When the Mavs, it came across that the Mavs had interest in Patrick Beverly, that type of player makes a lot more sense to me, right? Darren Collison, for a different reason, makes a lot more sense to me. But for the Mavs to say, okay, Kemba Walker is definitely our missing piece to contending for a title, and we're going to move forward with Kemba, Porzingis, and Luka, is that good enough to win? Maybe. I'm not sold on it. It could be. But I just feel like they're better off spending their money elsewhere. That's me. Okay? But again, that's plausible. Like the Lakers scenario, it's plausible. And the Lakers scenario, by the way, has some warts too, right? Kemba Walker is a hell of a talent, but do you want another? Do you want to add another ball dominant player alongside LeBron, Kuzma, and AD? Right, a guy who's used to having the ball in his hands on pretty much every possession. Is he going to be the best fit with that group? It's a fair question to ask. Now let's go to the Celtics. 
The Celtics are waving goodbye to Kyrie Irving and Al Horford, right? They've seemingly embraced this idea of a rebuild around Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, whatever's left of Gordon Hayward's career, and the four draft picks that they just made in last week's draft. And now all of a sudden you're telling me that they're going to sign Kemba Walker? For what? Like literally for what? That feels like the agent driving the leverage up in order to get the Supermax from the Hornets. I do not understand the Celtics at all in this scenario. The Celtics are better off renting their cap space out and building something sustainable moving forward. Because Kemba Walker, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Gordon Hayward, and whatever else they put around that group is not going to be good enough. It's not beating... And it's not beating the Toronto Raptors if Kawhi Leonard returns. So I really do not understand the Kemba piece for the Celtics. Let's move on to another scenario with the Houston Rockets. Okay, Daryl Morey gets an unbelievable pass around the NBA. Anytime he tries to do something that feels completely asinine, it's viewed as shrewd or even wise. I do not understand. Can we be a little bit more critical on a guy who's built a flawed team that doesn't look like it really has the potential to ever be great as constructed with Chris Paul and James Harden in the same backcourt? Can we throw a little criticism his way? One of the only constancies of his recent tenure at the helm of the Rockets has been a lot of disruption and non-continuity. Another team, let's just use the Lakers as an example. If another team went into free agency saying, here's our plan. We're going to try to convince an unrestricted free agent to force his way into a sign and trade with the team that wants to resign him. Oh, and by the way, in order to clear the cap space necessary to do this, we're going to try to trade two of our three key contributors. That's our plan. A hope and a dream. If the Lakers went into free agency with a hope and a dream, do you know what? They would be crushed nationally. They would be absolutely murdered. And for the Rockets, it's, oh, well, Daryl Morey always chases stars. He's never looking to make sure that his team's just good enough. He always wants to be great. Ugh, enough with this crap. It's enough with that. Because the reality is, this isn't a plan. This is a desperate hope at relevance. This is Daryl Morey hoping that he can turn nothing into something. You know what I hope happens? I hope some team comes and takes Clint Capella for cents on the dollar. I hope some team comes and takes Eric Gordon for cents on the dollar and or PJ Tucker for cents on the dollar. And then Jimmy Butler signs elsewhere, whether it's Philadelphia or really anywhere else. Because then what? Oh, and by the way, the Rockets are supposedly interested in Danny Green, Brooke Lopez, Jeremy Lamb, and everybody else on the market. Good luck. Like, can we just stop doing this? Because we need to be better. There's enough information and enough awareness out there amongst fans that we need to frame it through a smarter lens. Let's not let agents and all these ulterior variables in the equation drive toward the solution. Let us create our own solution. So if the Rockets are really moving forward with this plan to try and dump these guys basically for nothing in order to hope at a chance for Jimmy Butler... I hope the Celtics come up and steal Clint Capella for nothing. That's what they should do with their cap space. Forget Kemba Walker. Go get Clint Capella. Four years, $65, $66 million left on his deal, right? Play him alongside Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. 
put them in pick and rolls, that's a good fit there. Celtics need a guy on the inside. They've, they don't have Al Horford, right? Clint Capella would be a really good fit in Boston. And as far as Eric Gordon, not to send him back to New Orleans, but the Pelicans could certainly use a shooter around all their new pieces, right? Imagine a backcourt that had Lonzo, Eric Gordon, Drew Holiday. Then you had Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson. I still think people are overrating how good the Pelicans will be. But Eric Gordon would be a nice fit there, right? And it's not like David Griffin is short on assets. He's done a good job since taking over in a very short period of time. So I think the Pelicans could be a fit. And as far as P.J. Tucker, literally anywhere, literally anywhere he would fit. And the second season that's left on his deal isn't fully guaranteed. By the way, all three of these guys, Capella, Gordon, and Tucker, they're all paid probably below market value. If all three were free agents in this class, they'd all be looking at higher AABs for sure. So when we sit here and digest all of this free agent noise, let's just be conscious of where it's coming from, who's controlling the conversation, and our responses to it. Great life lesson is you can't control people and what they choose to do, their actions, their words, et cetera, et cetera, but you can control your response. Just because something exists on Twitter doesn't mean it elicits a response. There have been times where I tr- where I get so fired up by a tweet, where I go to respond to it, I write the draft, and then I crush it, right? I just wipe it clean. Because I get that out of my system, but at the same time, I'm not acknowledging it because I don't want to contribute to that level of conversation, personal choice. And that's hard. It's hard to stand out when everybody's having a conversation about something, right? I don't watch Game of Thrones, spoiler, right? I don't watch Game of Thrones. I've never seen an episode, not a single second. And so when everybody talks about it, I'm very much on the outside looking in. But you know what? I'm fine with that. Because that's the decision for me, not for anyone else. The other thing to consider with this free agent noise, right? I want to use Patrick Beverly as a case study really quickly. Patrick Beverly is linked to just about every team with cap space. Be a good fit for the Lakers. He'd be a good fit for the Celtics. He'd be a good fit for the Knicks. He'd be a good fit for the Bulls. He'd be a good fit for the Suns. He'd be a good fit to go back to the Clippers. Patrick Beverly would, would be indeed a lot of uh, a fit for a lot of teams for different reasons. Right? Patrick Beverly is also looking to cash in. Okay, He's not a player who's made $100 million in his career. He's really had to scrap and fight for what he's earned. Not been given, but earned. And so he's looking to cash in. There's no question. So when you sit here and you look at Patrick Beverly, right? all these teams that are going to be chasing bigger names, like the Knicks, like the Lakers, like the Celtics, like the Mavericks, etc., etc. Is Patrick Beverly going to wait for them? Right. If some team like the Bulls, who are not going to chase those bigger names. Right. And remember, Beverly is a Chicago guy. So if the Bulls come to Patrick Beverly and say, hey, Pat, first night of free agency, we're going to give you a four year, 60 million dollar deal. But you want to you have to tell us whether or not you're going to accept it within the next hour. Is Patrick Beverly really going to wait to see what materializes? Or is he just going to jump on jump on that? Is that, is that an unfair question? Right? Because some team could even go higher. Some team could even offer him 70. And so, yeah, there will be teams that look at Patrick Beverly and say he's going to be a good fit. But will he be available by the time you're ready to make an offer if you're chasing other avenues? And that can be true for a lot of players. Patrick Beverly isn't the only one. Jeremy Lamb, I know, is a guy who's picked up some steam in recent days. I don't think he's going to wait. If some team hits him at the start of free agency with a three-year, $45 million deal, you think he's going to wait to see if he can do better? 
$15 million a year for a guy who looked like he could have been out of the league before he went to the Hornets during his time in OKC? Come on, man. He's not going to wait for anybody on that. So it's tough. Don't expect all these teams to wind up with a multitude of players. I think you're going to see some talents more spread out than people might think. It is, after all, supply and demand. Before we get out of here, we're going to hit you with the TED Talk. Just a real quick one today. Okay? Not something I found, just something I want to share with you guys. Life is about trade-offs. Okay? Whether it's time for money, money for time, Mexican or Chinese food. right? It's a big game of this or that, basically. And at what point do you push in? Because in order to say that we value the process, then we have to be okay when the process and the results don't align for better or worse. This is a huge thing in our society. We say that we value the process, but when the process doesn't produce the desired results, we sort of devalue the process and only evaluate based on the results. We see this a lot in sports. Let me give you a quick example. Okay, Let's say, you're, let's say that I am your team's best free throw shooter, but you are 15 of 15 from the foul line that night. Coach sends me to the line, chance to win, down by one. I miss both shots and we lose. And then the criticism is, well, the coach should have put you at the line instead. You were hot that night, right? That's not really the argument. I've been our best foul shooter the entire year. The process was correct, but the result was wrong. And it's harder for people to get on board when those two pieces don't align. But you know what? Accept that. Look at Danny Ainge, right? You can't have everything on a timeline. Opportunities won't always meet your timeline, and that's okay. The only constant in this world is change, and a lot of us continue to push it away and fear it. So when there are opportunities presented to you, right, take them. And in the NBA, the whole idea of this, and in life really, is to maximize assets and minimize risks, right? So there's going to be some risk involved when you're going for a major payoff. It's sitting like the defense of why the Celtics didn't do things is comical to me, right? That's like saying, oh, good thing the Thunder didn't trade for Paul George. Good thing the Raptors didn't trade for Kawhi Leonard. There were no guarantees in either spot. Guess what? Paul George re-signed. Kawhi Leonard won an NBA title, and the Celtics are sitting here moving backwards. You tell me who's really winning. So I don't mean to sit here and pick on the Celtics, but come on. This 2020 Monday morning quarterback stuff is garbage. Throw it away. At some point, you've got to push in. When you believe in the vision, you have to push in. So if you need to hear that, hear me when I say that. At some point in your process, push in and don't be afraid of it. Just like we do it on this podcast, baby. Until episode 16, we out. Free agency, here we come.